Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. Tonight we have special guest Damien Levesque, director, writer of The Cleansing Hour. And I would probably say my favorite horror movie of 2019. Damien, thank you for being here with us. How are you doing? Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited about this chat. And like, like a lot of movies, one night, people have heard me tell this story plenty of times with other films as well, sat down just looking for something to watch. I turned on Shudder. I came across this movie called The Cleansing Hour. Of course, you know, you read the synopsis. I'm like, eh, sounds interesting. Let me give it a try. And I loved it. And it wasn't until recently where I started diving into it that I saw that it started out as a short back in 2016. So why don't you tell us how it got from a short to a feature film? Sure. Well, you know, the the short, the sort of idea for it uh, was born out of my uh, my my long career working in reality TV, editing reality TV. I've been an editor professionally for 15 years or more. And uh, I've always been sort of fascinated by this idea that people are, they, they take, they take what they see in unscripted television seriously. They think it's real. Yeah. They think it's like, you know, like a, a real documentary. Um, when, uh, you know, in, in fact, most, most reality shows are, are staged to some degree or another, you know, like from, something that's soft scripted where they sort of like write an outline for a scene to something that's, you know, full on, they write every single line. Um, and you know, I combined that with my love of exorcism horror and just thought, what if we had some guys that did this professionally and, uh, you know, had a webcast that, you know, hundreds of thousands of people tuned into every week to see. And, you know, it was, it was, it was about, you know, taking, you know, it was, a, it was a commentary on social media culture, on the Internet, on the world that we live in today, the very tech centric, uh, you know, depersonalized world of the Internet. Um, and the short did very well. Um, we went around the world with it to different festivals. And the intention was always to make it into a feature. It was always meant to be a proof of concept for a feature film. So the the structure of the short film mirrors the feature pretty closely. Um, the you know w the process of going from a from an 18 minute short film into a 90 minute feature is really all about building out the characters. Who are these people? What's their background? What do they want? And then, you know, um, you know, taking that concept of an ex a staged exorcism gone wrong and then just, you know, expanding it into, uh, you know, a movie where, you know, there's lots of twists and turns and, uh, you know, you and you have the cleansing hour. So that's the you have the feature. Now you can see how we how we did it. And it's it's an amazing film. And for all our viewers, if you haven't watched it yet, the cleansing hour is available on Shutter, even though it's listed as AMC Plus. Is it on both, or is it just on Shutter? Well, so AM, AMC owns Shutter, mm -hmm. so uh, you can watch it on AMC Plus uh, if you have AMC Plus. You can stream it on Shutter if you subscribe to Shutter only, because AMC Plus also gives you Shutter as, as far as I know. As well as Sundance and IFC, yeah. Yeah, all their all their different channels. Um, you can rent it on iTunes, Amazon, Vudu. You can buy the DVD in Walmart and, you know, other stores around the world. It's on it's on Amazon to buy the DVD. In fact, if you want to watch the short film, buy the DVD because the, the short film is on the DVD. I've never seen the short, so now I know where to watch it. So 
when you took the shore to the festivals, uh, how long did it take and how were you approached that by, I'm assuming, financiers that we want to pick this up and we want to make this a feature film? Um, the process took about a year to go from uh, a short film into a, a feature film that was ready to shoot, uh, maybe a little bit more than a year. And then during that time, you know, that during that time, I was, you know, working day in and day out to raise the money for it. Um, from a pretty early, pretty early on, Shutter expressed an interest. They were like, this is definitely a movie that we'd be, we'd like to, you know, be a part of. Um, I was pretty adamant that they not see the movie until it was done. Uh, I don't like showing works in progress to potential buyers. How did AMC? Um, re- now I, I have a lot of dealings with AMC. How did they react to that? They were fine. They okay. understood. Um, they were like, "We can wait," and uh, you know, and they were very pleased when they when they saw it. So, um, you know, they were our, they became our North American distributor. Awesome. And we're also we're also streaming in all their territories. So that includes you know UK, Ireland. Uh, Australia, New Zealand. That's and awesome. Pretty That's... soon, I think Spain. I think they're going to be in Spain soon. Nice, nice. So the short was written by somebody else, and the person who wrote the short is your is the features your co-writer. You Correct. wrote the screenplay, but it was derived from his short film. Uh, are you two friends? Explain the relationship and how you two got together. Yeah, well, we actually we actually went to USC together, University of Southern California, um, and we ran in the same circle of buddies who are all filmmakers today. Uh, and uh, we, he also, Aaron also worked in uh, or works in unscripted TV. So, and he he and I also have an almost identical taste in movies, which is remarkable. I mean, like he'll watch something and had the exact same feelings about it as I do. So like in that respect, it was, you know, it was, it was the perfect match. Now, uh, I mean, so you got into, you got the financing, you're ready to go. This was your first feature film that you directed. You have a lot of TV experience, uh, documentary experience, but this was your first full feature film as a director. Uh, was it always known that you would be directing the film if it ever got to that stage or how did that work out? Yeah, that was the plan. Um, you know, I've, I, I had some prior experience directing and, you know, being on set and working behind the camera. So, um, that was always what I planned on doing. I, I really had a vision for this movie very, very early on, even though there's a, a pretty stark creative or visual difference between the short and the feature. Um, you know, when this, when we were writing this, the feature script, I had a very clear idea of exactly how we were going to pull it off um, on a budget, you know, because it's, it, I mean, it, the the movie was very, very challenging to make in a lot of different ways, um, and I had to really lean on my experience as an editor to be able to work efficiently, only shoot what I'm going to use, and because you know I edited Cleansing Hour too. Wow. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, we were shooting very fast. We were shooting nine, ten pages a day. Um, and each of those pages had, uh, we had a combination of um, makeup gags, uh, special makeup effects, stunts, pyrotechnics, you know, all lumped together in one crazy day. So um, it was very, very intense, and we had to be very methodical about how we how we filmed it. 
Now, the the lead role played by Ryan Guzman, I mean, perfect choice. Uh, did you have difficulty in casting that lead role uh, till you got to uh, Ryan? Or was it really, it happened and fell together really quickly? Uh, it, it, I think it came together pretty quickly. Um, we uh, Ryan, I think, was our first audition, actually. So wow. uh, he, he made a great first impression. I could tell uh, he was great in the film. And, you know, there's not one particular moment that I could put my finger on that say, oh, this is what makes this film so great. It's the entire story, the backstory, the relationship between his best friend and the, his girlfriend, which does become possessed. It's like the perfect mix of, uh, well, it's it's irony coming back to bite him in the ass. Here he is, like you said, he's doing this so quote-unquote reality show, but it's all fake. He's not even a priest. Uh, and he is confronted by a demonic entity that forces him to his knees and makes him submit. We're not going to give away too much. When it came, it had some really amazing special effects. Uh, was it all practical effects? Did you throw in some CGI? How did you balance that? My goal was always to make as much practical as possible. So I'm a child of the 80s and 90s. I grew up watching horror where they didn't have CG, you know? So everything from Hellraiser to Critters and Gremlins. I, I adore these movies because of what they were able to accomplish practically. So I did as much practically as humanly possible. There are certain sequences where we did have to lean into CG and, and, and we did the best we could with that. Um, but uh, I would say, I mean, just a rough estimate, I would say probably 70% of it is practical, um, you know, including the, the big the big reveal at the end oh, is yeah. also practical. Um, I've had people say, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but I've had people say, you know, comment, oh, that CG looked really good. And I was like, wasn't CG. That was real. <laughs> now, I've read and where you have spoken about uh, your, I don't know if fascination is the right word, but about demonic possession, the paranormal, just like me. Uh, never experienced anything, don't want to. I am a 100% believer. I don't want to experience it in order to become a believer. How much of that belief is what fueled the fire for you to write this script and to film the movie? Uh, all of it. I mean, I, I, it's the, the, the Cleansing Hour is a very deeply personal movie to me. Um, my worldview and beliefs are very, very tightly woven into the narrative, into the characters. Um, I have been studying... Uh, you know, I've been studying the paranormal and demonic possession for many, many years. And I, you know, it's, it's what I, it's in the screenplays that I write. That is one of the primary subjects, you know, it's like, it, it, I, there's always some sort of like spiritual component. Um, and I really enjoy, I really enjoy the examination of how characters respond to this, you know, an unseen entity that can cause them harm. Um, so like you, I've not experienced anything personally, but, um, you know, I know people who have, and I trust them. I did not, not kooks, mm -hmm. but I do think it's a real thing. And, mm -hmm. and I, and it, it certainly did inform the writing and even the directing of the movie. Um, so I take it very seriously. Now, did you, uh, have enough information 
when you started penning this script with Aaron that you felt you didn't have to do any more research? Or was it like, let me get deeper into this. Let me do some more research. Try to be as uh, authentic, realistic as possible. Yeah, there... There were a couple things. I mean, as far as like the demon names and stuff that that are referenced in the movie, those are all drawn from actual like compendiums of demons. Um, you know, versus you know, Ghostbusters. If you watch Ghostbusters, the demons, the demon names in Ghostbusters were all made up, and they mm-hmm. they sound fantastic. But we were going for more authenticity here, um, just because of the the nature of the story. Um, and then as far as the possession is concerned, my goal was really to try and make it as realistic as possible. So, so that the gold standard, the bar for possession movies is obviously the exorcist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that, that movie really broke the mold in terms of how possession is portrayed. So what I wanted to do was sort of grow on that and take what they did and make it as realistic as possible. So one of the most realistic depictions of an exorcism that I'd seen in a movie prior to the cleansing hour was exorcism of Emily Rose. And I thought that Scott Derrickson did a really great job of portraying like an authentic exorcism and authentic possession. You know, it's obviously based on a true story. Mm -hmm. So I, we, you know, that, that informed the way that I directed Alex Angelus in the role, but then also with the makeup, this was another thing that I, we put a lot of thought into. I really wanted the makeup to not be too over the top. So where, you know, the exorcist kind of goes a little over the top with like the spinning head and like the pee vomit and all that. Um, I, I really wanted it to be like you believe you can really believe that this could happen to somebody. So the changes in her facial structure were all very delicate and, and, and slow. And, you know, so like you don't notice them right away. Right. Like if you if you a B, you know, minute 80 of the movie with, you know, minute 60 of the movie, you'll see a difference. But yeah. if you're watching it in real time, it's going to be it's going to come through slowly. So let's talk about the social media aspect of this film. There's a lot of commentary there that is very real about how everyone's head today is just buried on their phones in social media. And one particular scene or concept of the film that really resonates with me that happens at close to the end is when he gets that blue check mark, that verification. And, uh, when I got verified on Facebook, I messaged the whole team, and I, we all referenced the cleansing hour, except <laughs> except we didn't have to go through demonic possession to get it, you know. Uh, but how big, how important was the the commentary, the social commentary in regards to social media? How people are obsessed with views and likes, and you wanted to show that in the cleansing hour. Yeah, there I mean, it was still very much a thing when the when the feature script was written in 2016, but um, you know, sadly and and sort of eerily, the movie's very prescient in terms of what it depicts. So, um, you know, it shortly after we finished the script, you started seeing things online about, you know, where people were live streaming suicides, um, mm-hmm. live streaming mass shootings uh doing god awful things in order to get more viewership and the, the movie depicts this and it, 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 i i swear i wasn't you know this is just we had our finger on the pulse of what was happening in the culture and 
you know, it followed what happens in the movie. It, it um, does. So, so uh, you know, and, and, and you might not know that when you watch it just because of like the timing of the release and everything like that. But, you know, live streaming a suicide, that was a thing that happened several times. Live streaming murders. Um, so it is very important. Like that is definitely the underlying theme. It's also, a, you know, something in, in my own writing. I always have an underlying theme in my, in my writing. I like to have a movie that's more than just popcorn fun, but also with a message. Um, and I, you know, I've had some people say, you know, that the internet is the devil. Uh, <laughs> it's, I don't think that it is, but it certainly is a good conduit. Do you believe, in your opinion, I know you wrote it, you directed it, Ryan's character at the end and what he had to endure and him even getting that stupid little blue check mark, do you think uh, it was any kind of revelation to him? Or if the movie continues, uh, he would eventually go back to being the same person that he was? That's a great question. Um, my intention with that character was that he goes back to who he was that the sadly so many influencers online are so self-absorbed and narcissistic that not even the death of people around them and a traumatic experience like that could rattle them from the the clutches the chains of of their social media accounts mm -hmm. and like the, the thrill that they get out of their blue check mark that's really like the commentary i'm not saying that all influencers are like that. You know, we all know that there are some terrible people out there. Um, you know, Ryan's character is meant to be the worst of this version, right? And to this soulless guy who would sell, you know, literally sell his soul uh, for for fame. Um, so yes, the, the the character, the lead, you know, Kyle's character, uh, Drew, really is sort of the lead because he's the one that changes in the end. He's the one that realizes that he has to break free from this guy. Mm-hmm. As uh, comparing the feature film to the script, uh, we see the progression between the two friends and the little plot twists that are revealed throughout the film, uh, you know, relationships revealed and whatnot. Is that part of this, the short as well, or is that something just in the feature film? Uh, that's just in the feature. Uh, that's a great addition because it adds uh, a lot of character depth and uh, background to the three main characters. Uh, so trying to navigate uh, a demonic possession film where we have a lot of them, what approach did you use to try to make your film different from like The Exorcist or The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which is an amazing film? What did you do to, to make this your own? Um, I mean, uh, there are, I suppose there are a couple of things, uh, as far as the narrative is concerned, you know, focusing on this idea of, you know, cleanse, you know, doing a, a cleansing and expiation of your sins and revealing, revealing, you know, your dirty little secrets to people. Um, not, you know, it just trying to depict that in a fresh way, um, in the setting of like this live stream exorcism set. Um, you know, it's, it's been done before, but like doing it in this new way was certainly um, a way that made it unique and made it my own. Um, did a lot. Of, did, I did a lot visually with it, just in terms of the photography. Um, it's, it's a very dark movie. It's supposed to be dark. Um, it's got a very sort of like, you know, smooth look to the picture. It's not too punchy and contrasty. I wanted it to feel, you know, dark and morose, almost like a nightmare. 
Um, and, you know, and it does get progressively darker as the movie goes on. So um, a lot of thought went into how to make this, how to differentiate this uh, from other movies. The other big component that this has that a lot of, you know, there are movies that sh like, you know, like uh, Unfriended and, uh, you know, the movies that take place on the screen that show, you know, the interface of your chat windows and you know streaming like, interface. like host is a great movie host is yeah. a great example yeah so we put a lot of time and attention into depicting a the live stream what does their live stream look like right and you know you're watching this now on a live stream you know there's the little play bar and there's like the chat window and like there's all these different you know ui components we put a lot of thought into that and also just like how we filmed it, you know, like what cameras we use. We used, you know, lower quality cameras, a variety of lower quality cameras, because the idea was like, well, these guys started small. So they had like a crappy little camera at first and then they added on a nicer one and they added on a nicer one after that. So like the quality shifts whenever we cut between those cameras. And then finally, the other the, the other big touch that like I, I'm very proud of is the chat feed. I don't know if you looked at the chat feed, but um, that is something that is not unless there's a very specific moment in the movie that chat feed is not written in the script. Wow. So what I did was I took I took the cut of the movie before it was finished, invited 15 people over to my house, different people, different backgrounds, spoke different languages, and I got them all liquored up and I played through every scene of the movie where the chat feed is going. And we all were writing into a Google document, uh, you know, our, our favorite, our chat lines. And we got just gold from oh, that. Yeah. Pure gold. I mean, like, there are so many funny lines in the chat feed. If you go back and just read that, that's another movie in and of itself. And, it, and it's I think that's brilliant the way you did it because, I mean, I can't think of another way to create a chat feed for a movie than what you just did. I think it's it's genius, and it worked out great. I did notice the chat feed. Another big component in the movie is the, uh, the following counter. Yes. Okay? And as the night progressed and as things really become worse and worse for these people in that studio, the numbers start to skyrocket, you know, into the millions of, of, of viewers that are watching this. And again, it's another great commentary to what you spoke about earlier, where, you know, murders have been live streamed, all these terrible things have been live streamed. And the way that was depicted with the viewership counter, also genius. Now, are you a horror fan? Uh, is that the genre that you would say is the most near and dear to your heart? Yeah, I would say almost definitely. You know, I I don't consider myself a cinephile by any means, but I mean, I do enjoy horror more than any other genre. Um, I I also I love I love horror for so many different reasons. Uh, but you know, it's such a diverse genre because there's so many subgenres within it, and I like some more than others. Obviously, exorcism horror is like probably right at the top of the list, but um, I do I do love it quite a lot. Horror, action, and sci-fi are really my three main genres. Would you say that horror, uh, like, let's go back to the commentary that you talk about in The Cleansing Hour. Would you have been able to depict that kind of social commentary in uh, a, a drama or a comedy? Horror is 
probably the most popular genre to for filmmakers, writers, directors to lay out some social commentary. Uh, do you agree with that, or is it just yeah, a coincidence? It's social commentary, spiritual commentary, cultural commentary. It's a, a, the, the thing that's great about horror is that um, you can do it on a lower budget, and you can tell an original story with a commentary that isn't preachy, right? Um, oftentimes, if you're making a you know a drama or a political thriller, you know there's a there's a preachy political message in it, and like that's never fun to watch. But if you if you you know sort of couch it in this horrific scenario, um, all of a sudden you know the the commentary is uh, you don't mind it because you're having so much fun with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, a great example of this is the hunt. If you saw the hunt, yeah. I mean, what a great example of you know weaving social commentary into a horror film and being okay with it because it's so freaking fun to watch. And that's that's really my goal is to entertain. I don't want to I don't want to you know, make a movie that, you know, puts you to sleep because it, you know, or makes you roll your eyes. That's great. Uh, when you and Aaron were developing the characters, what, how did you two work together when you were writing the, the film uh, in developing each and every character? Did you guys have a special process? Uh, how did it work? Well, initially with the short film, it was, you know, it was pretty simple. You know, I'm, I'll, I'll never forget it. Honestly, it was, it was July 2015, and we were just sitting on a couch in his apartment, and we were just th tossing ideas back and forth, and uh, you know, talking about like who these people were, and like how do they know each other, and like what's their what's their background, and then when it came time to you know like expand that into the feature film form, then it was just like you know we had an outline, and. Uh, he did a pass on the script and then he'd hand it over to me and then I would do it. We would, we would talk through it and talk about what we're going to change. And then I would do a pass and do those changes and then he would do a pass and so on and so forth, you know, until we got to the script we were going to shoot. And it actually went pretty fast as like writing goes, um, you know, that process. So um, that's how we did it. So uh, Ryan and Kyle have great on-screen chemistry. Did those two need really any kind of directing when it came to them portraying these characters did you really have to step in and say okay ryan this is how your character goes kyle this is how your character goes or did those two meet really hit it off and they brought that chemistry onto the camera i well i think a couple things first of all i am so blessed to have gotten the cast that i got because they are consummate professionals. They are so thoughtful in their process and what they do. And they really showed up ready to go. And I, you know, they made my job easy in that respect. Um, I never felt like at any moment that these guys didn't understand their characters. So that allowed us to film the movie faster, be more efficient. And um, as far as their chemistry is concerned, you know, <clears throat> They got to hang out. You know, we all we were all staying in the same hotel together, hanging out, going to dinner together, doing day trips together. Well, they were. I wasn't. I was like I was busy the whole time. But they were in when we were in prep, they were hanging out together. So I really think that that helped them bond. Um, and they took that to set whenever we were filming. Nice. The movie ends in a way where it's not really set up 
for a sequel, which is kind of rare these days. Almost every filmmaker ends a movie with the hope that a sequel, maybe a franchise, will get started. But this is this movie ends great, perfectly. Uh, is that how you wanted it? I mean, every I mean, let's be honest. Every filmmaker wants their movie to be a start of a franchise and the beginning of a sequel and so on. Some movies are better left as a one and done. Did you want the cleansing hour to just be a one and done, and that's why you ended it the way that you ended it? You know, it's it's funny. I, I both Aaron and I envisioned a sequel for this movie. But by the time I was done making it, you know, you're exhausted. You feel like you've been through, you know, war. And, um, you know, it, the, the movie has enough of a has the kind of ending that you could imagine that there could be a sequel. But it's not like, it, you know, we're not giving you like the sequel on a platter being like here it's coming, you know. Um, so I've had a lot of people ask me if we're going to do a sequel I'm open to it, um, but you know I've I've moved on to other projects since then, so it's it's not on the on the docket right now. Um, but there is an outline for a sequel. Yes, I don't expect you to answer this, but it, if there is a sequel, the way I see it being done is not chronologically right after the cleansing hour ends, but showing us something alongside while the cleansing hour is happening in another part of the world. Or another yeah. part of the country yes. uh, that is showing maybe this is more than one entity, and let's say it's a legion. I think that'd be that's a great idea. I think you should yeah. think about that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Damien, this has been fascinating. Uh, for anybody who has not watched the film, it's called The Cleansing Hour. It's available on AMC Plus Shutter. Uh, as Damien said, it's pretty much available around the world and in the countries he mentioned at the beginning of our broadcast. You won't be disappointed. This movie is scary. It's got a great story, great acting. Uh, you did a fantastic job. Uh, moving forward in your career, do you uh, want to expand? Is there any thoughts of you expanding outside of horror or is your passion to stay in horror filmmaking i i do want to expand outside of horror i have um i have you know like i said i like action so i wrote an action movie last year and i i i would love to direct an action movie at some point in my life um i think that the sort of the 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 pinnacle for me would be to uh direct a reboot of the alien franchise mm. um alien is one of my favorite movies of all time um alien and aliens and I have an idea for a uh, for for a for a new alien now, that, I would, that, it, that I that I want to write and what I I would love to direct. It's, is it a reboot or a remake? Your idea, a reboot. Nice. It'd nice. be a reboot. It would. It takes place. It, it basically would take place. You know, fifty years after the second movie. That is awesome. I mean, we we. It's been so long. I mean, yeah, we've gotten all the Predator versus Aliens movie, but an alien. Aliens only movie would be fantastic. Damien, thank you so much. Any final thoughts you want to share before we go? Um, I, I love talking with horror fans. Um, I make I made the cleansing hour for the horror community. Um, you know, the, the, we, we, we understand each other in a very uh, special way. Um, so 
anybody that wants to ever reach out, you're more than welcome to. I'm on I'm at Damian Levesque on Instagram and Twitter and on Telegram. So uh, feel free. I'll, I'd love to chat with you. And we thank you so much for bringing the cleansing hour to us as horror fans. I know I definitely appreciated it. Thank you guys for tuning in tonight. Thank you to our special guest, Damien Levesque. Till next time, on behalf of Damien and myself, stay safe, guys. And remember, stay walking. Good night. Thanks, John.